Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am your salonier, Damien Barr, here in a very sunny spring Brighton, welcoming you to another salon exclusive where you get to be the first to hear about the upcoming books that we are most excited about. And I have to say, we've got a pretty good track record on this. Just thinking off the top of my head, ooh, what have we brought you? Hmm, Shuggy Bane, that did well. Boy Parts, another smasher. And in my hands right now is The Lamplighters by Emma Stonex. And it's one of those books that's got a huge amount of buzz. It's coming out in March. It's another Picador title. Picador have had a run of really great books recently. Um, and I'm always excited to get one of their one of their new releases. So this is The Lamplighters. It's by Emma Stonex. And it's a suspenseful book in which three men inexplicably disappear from a lighthouse without a trace. The tag on the front says, they say we'll never know what happened to those men. They say the sea keeps its secrets. 20 years after the disappearance, uh, a writer arrives and sits down with the widows of the vanished men to try and get to the heart of this story. And the narrative alternates between the women who are just still splintered by grief and reaches into the past through interviews with the men uh, before that fateful night. It's gripping and atmospheric. It's got more than a hint of the supernatural. And here is Emma Stonex to fill you in on the details. Hello, I'm Emma Stonex, and I'm thrilled to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my book, The Lamplighters. The Lamplighters is a mystery suspense novel inspired by the disappearance of three lighthouse keepers from the Flannan Isles in the Outer Hebrides in 1900. I've moved my story down to Cornwall and to 1972, partly to distance myself from the original tragedy and partly so I wouldn't have to wrap my writer's ear around turn-of-the-century Scottish vernacular, doubtless best for everyone. Mine is the story of Arthur, Bill and Vincent, three very different keepers stationed on the remote Maiden Rock Lighthouse, a tower light 15 miles west of Land's End. Imagine being in the middle of the sea for eight weeks at a time. There's no one but the other two that you're with. The tower is 12 feet across, a couple of strides and that's all. It's stuffy and dark inside, the shutters closed against the weather, the windows small in any case, and through them all you can see is sea. Maybe you have to stay longer, nine weeks, ten if your relief boat gets delayed. You can see a strip of the mainland in the distance, home. Do you long to return, or is there refuge in quarantine? I'm interested in the psychology of this now extinct occupation. What did it take in a man to be a lighthouse keeper? And what did it take away from him? What was life like for the families waiting ashore? I wanted to explore this mystery from the inside out and to tell it from the perspectives of those who might have lived it. Many theories have been put forward to explain the Flannan Isles vanishing, everything from ghosts to alien abduction to government conspiracies. In the Lamplighters, I suggest a resolution, but I also hope readers will feel free to disagree. Here I'm reading a chapter from near the start of the novel, in Helen's voice. Helen is Arthur's widow. Arthur, 
principal keeper of the lighthouse, vanished 20 years ago. Now Helen is approached by a writer looking to solve the puzzle. She's not used to talking about the tragedy. Over the years, she's hardened herself against storms of speculation and inquiry. I'll let her tell you more, and maybe she'll drop a few clues along the way. Chapter 6. Helen. 20 years, my goodness, it's hard to believe. Yes, it's intriguing if you believe the hearsay. For me, being on the inside and being so close to it, I don't think of it like that. But you shouldn't feel bad about that. No, you shouldn't. I'm fine to talk about Arthur. It keeps him with me that way. If I tried to pretend it hadn't happened, I'd have hit trouble a long time ago. You have to admit what happens in your life. I've heard it all over the years. Arthur was abducted by aliens. He was murdered by pirates. He was blackmailed by smugglers. They were haunted by ghosts or kidnapped by the government. They went lunatic, one or all of them. They had secret lives no one knew about. Riches buried on South American plantations you could only find by a cross on the map. I mean, honestly. I'm sure you'd prefer that, but I'm afraid it's all ridiculous. We're not in your world now, we're in mine. And this isn't a thriller. It's my life. Is five minutes okay? As in the minutes of a clock. If you think of the cake as a clock, that's how big the pieces I'm cutting. Pass your plate then. There we go. I must say I've never got the hang of baking. It seems the thing for women, though I don't know why. Arthur was better at these things than me. Did you know they learned to bake bread as part of their training? You learn all sorts being a lighthouse keeper. Of all the towers, I think it's the bishop that has the best name. It sounds very stately to me. It makes me think of that chess piece, quiet and dignified. Arthur was extremely good at chess. I never played him on that account because we both liked to win and I wasn't used to ceding to him or him to me. As a keeper, he had to be enthusiastic about cards and games because there's so much time to spare. It's a bonding thing as well, a game of cribbage or a hand of gin rummy. And the tea. If a keeper's skilled at any one thing, it's drinking tea. They'd get through 30 cups a day. On a lot of stations, the only rule was, if you're in the kitchen, you make the tea. Lighthouse people are ordinary. You'll find that out and I hope it doesn't disappoint you. People on the outside think of it as a secretive sort of occupation, seeing as we're quite closed off in the way we lead our lives. They think being married to a lighthouse keeper must be glamorous because there's a mystery of it, but it isn't. If I had to sum it up, I'd say you've got to be prepared for long periods of time apart and short, intense periods of time together. The intense periods are like a couple of distant friends reuniting, which can be exciting, but challenging as well. You've had things your way for eight weeks and then a man comes into your home and suddenly he's the master of the house and you have to play second fiddle. It could be very unsettling. Do I miss the sea? No, not at all. I couldn't wait to move away from it after what happened. That's why I came here to the city. I never cared for the sea. Where we used to live in keepers' cottages, we were surrounded. It was all you could see from the windows, everywhere you turned. Sometimes you felt you could be living in a fishbowl. When there was a storm and we got some lightning, that was quite spectacular. And the sunsets were pretty too. But on the whole, it's a grey thing, the sea. Big and grey and not much happens on it. Although it's more green than grey, I would say, like sage or O'Donnell, 
Did you know that Odoneal means water of the Nile? I always thought it meant water of nothing, which is how the sea makes me feel in a way, so I still think of it like that. Water of nothing. It doesn't make any more sense to me this morning than on the day Arthur disappeared. It does get easier, though. Time gives you a bit of distance where you can look back at whatever's happened to you and not feel all the feelings you once had. Those feelings have calmed down and they're not at the forefront of your mind in the way they are at the beginning. It's odd, because on some days it doesn't seem so strange what they found on that tower and I think, well, a heavy sea must have washed up and drowned them. Then on others it strikes me as so outlandish that it takes my breath away. There are too many details I can't shake off, like the locked door and the stopped clocks. They nag at me, and if I start thinking about it at night, I have to be strict with myself and get rid of those thoughts. Otherwise, I'd never sleep. I think what transpired is what I just told you, that the sea came up suddenly and caught them unaware. Occam's razor, it's called. The law that says the simplest solution is usually right. If you've got a mystery, don't go complicating it beyond the sum of its parts. Arthur drowning is the only realistic explanation there is. If you don't agree, then you're making your way down all sorts of fanciful roads, such as ghostly things and conspiracy theories and all the nonsense I just told you people believe. People will believe anything. And given the choice, they prefer lies to the truth because lies are usually more interesting. Like I said, the sea isn't interesting, not when you're looking at it every day. But it was the sea that took them. There isn't a doubt in my mind. The thing you need to know about a tower lighthouse. Have you ever been on a tower? Is that it comes directly up out of the sea. It's not a rock station where you're on an island and there's a bit of land around you where you can walk or have a vegetable plot or keep some sheep. And it's not a landlight where you're on the mainland so you stay close to your family. And when you're not on duty, you can drive into the village and go about your life as normal. A tower light's just stuck out there in the middle of the sea. So there isn't anywhere for the keepers to be except inside the lighthouse or out on the set-off. You could go running around the set-off if you wanted some exercise, but you'd get dizzy very fast doing that. Oh, right, sorry, the set-off's the platform underneath the entrance door. It wraps all the way round like a big donut. The set-off's about 20 or 30 feet above the water, which sounds like a lot, but if you're out there and a wave comes up and catches you, you're gone. One of them, and I wouldn't like to guess who, but it could have been Arthur because he was one for having time away from people. He could have gone out on the set-off and been sitting there reading, and the wind was quiet, a fourth one or two, then out of nowhere a big sea swells up and sweeps him away. The sea can do that. Arthur was caught out once at the Ediston early on. He'd just made AK, that's assistant keeper, and he was out there drying his washing when a giant wave came out of the blue and knocked him off his feet. He was lucky his mate was there to grab hold of him, otherwise I'd have lost him years before I did. It rattled him, but he was fine. The same can't be said for his washing. I'm not sure he saw any of that again. He had to borrow the other's clothes until the relief was due. I'm not sure how many books you've had published about the ocean, but writing a story about it isn't the same as writing how it really is. The ocean will turn on you if you're not paying attention. It changes its mind in the snap of a finger and it doesn't care who you are. Arthur had ways of predicting it, such as what the clouds looked like or how the wind felt on his cheek. He could tell you if it was blowing a six or a seven just by how it felt on his cheek. So if a man like him, who is the most experienced person I can think of in these things, could be caught, then that proves it can change suddenly. 
Maybe he had time to shout and the others came running. The set off slippery, there's panic in the air, and it wouldn't take much, would it, for all three of them to get washed away? The locked door's an oddity. I'll give you that. My only thought is that those entrance doors are thick lumps of gunmetal. They have to be to hold up against the battering they get, and they'll slam on you without any trouble at all. And two clocks going at the same time? That's peculiar, but not impossible. One of those whispers that gets distorted the more it's said, some bright spark made it up one day, and then it's fact. When it's not, it's just an unhelpful person saying hurtful things. I'd hoped Trident would settle that they drowned, so there wasn't this uncertainty for the families, but they never did. In my mind, it's drowning. I feel lucky I know what it is in my mind, because I need that, even if it isn't made official. Jenny Walker, Bill's wife, she wouldn't say the same. She likes there being no solution. If there were, then it would take away any last chance she thinks she has of Bill coming back. I know they're not coming back. But people deal with things how they want. You can't say how someone should grieve. It's very personal and private. It is a pity, though. What happened to us should have made us come together. Us women, us wives. Instead, it's been the opposite. That's why I'm talking to you, because you say you're interested in putting out the truth, and I suppose so am I. The truth is that women are important to each other, more important than the men, and that isn't what you'll want to hear, because this book, like all your others, is about men, isn't it? Men are interested in men. But for me, no, that isn't the case. Those three left us three behind, and I'm interested in what's left behind, in what we can make of it, if we still can. As a novelist, I expect you'll make much of the superstitious aspect. But remember, I don't believe in things like that. Things like what? Come on now, you're the writer, you work it out. In all my years, I've realised there are two kinds of people. The ones who hear a creak in a dark, lonely house and shut the windows because it must have been the wind. And the ones who hear a creak in a dark, lonely house light a candle and go to take a look. Brrr, what a chiller. Are you the type to shut the window or light a candle and go and investigate? No matter who you are or who you think you are, you'll be thrilled by Emma's writing, finding that balance between mystery that drives the story and the delicate relationships between characters in the wake of a tragedy. Tragedy always reveals so many fault lines. The Lamplighters is published by Picador and available now in all good bookshops. If you can't make it to your independent bookshop, then you can shop with us online through bookshop.org. Uh, we've got loads of shelves there, loads of fantastic recommendations from salon guests and from the salon team, so check it out. Anyway, thank you for listening and we'll see you again very soon. Happy reading! <laughs>